You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Go ahead and take a seat and welcome Sienna and Cypress and downtown and digital family as well. We're so glad everybody's here. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. You're going to hear that phrase every time my mouth opens for the next few months. So you might as well just just get there to Romans. Romans chapter 4 is where we're going to be. And as you're turning there, I just want to tell you a couple things uh, just by way of kind of announcement a little bit. One is we're so excited about Christmas and Taranda's going to be with us. We're going to have a lot of stuff for kids and family that your ticket's going to provide for that. It'd be a great thing to invite your friends. So man, jump in on that. That would be awesome. Secondly, we want you to know, I hope that you did the math as Kylan was talking, um, because of our church's generosity, because of our heart, um, we have given in the last really seven to 10 days, $60,000 to disaster relief um, from Pakistan floods, yes, to Fiona, to Ian in Florida. And, and I just want to take a moment and I celebrate that, which is what I wanted you to do to really cheer for that, because that's important. A lot of times folks are like, well, what do y'all do with all that money? Just keep the lights on? No, we're doing a lot more. Um, and to be able to see God using that in a great way. But I also want to just kind of take a time out and just us pray as a church for all these folks that have gone through disaster relief. We know hurricanes in Houston. We know what it's like to be without power as the Florida friends of ours are. I got a text message just this morning of some friends in Florida that their house in Florida is a picture, kind of a selfie with the whole bottom floor was just wasted, just gone. And so we just wanna pray um, for that. And then we'll jump into Romans. Father, we just come in Jesus' name. We pray, Father, for the churches in Florida um, as they rally together to be able to minister. Father, we pray for, for just disaster relief. We pray for the government officials uh, for wisdom for them. We pray, God, for the pastors this morning that are preaching, if they can even get together, that you give them wisdom and leadership and a word from you that's timely. We pray for Pakistan, Lord. We pray for those in Fiona's path. And it's just, there's so many tragedies, Father, that happen so quickly. We, before we finish praying for one, it's like another one's coming. And so we just pray. Just, we just want to come as a church today and just, just intercede um, for these folks in this need. We know, we understand, we have lived without power, we have lived with flooding. We know friends and family and many of us that have been flooded. And so we just pray, God, for your help. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter four is where we're gonna jump in. Now, you remember chapters one through three has been really kind of bad news. We did the series Bad News, Good News. And that in those times that you got the bad news, it's talking about sin basically for three chapters. I mean, we're chugging through. A lot of times people are like, I love Romans. And I think they really mean they love Romans 8 and Romans 12, you know, because the rest of this stuff is really hard to get through. But Romans 1 through 3 is about sin, but there's bad news of sin, but there's good news that we have a Savior. And now we're going to get to this place in Romans 4 where Paul's going to present to us, well, how do I have a relationship with that Savior? All these sins, all this bad stuff going on, how do I get that forgiven and how do I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Is it by works? Is it by kind of cussing a little less and going to church a little bit more? Is it by trying to give a little bit more and quit being so selfish? Is the end of this message going to be, you should try harder and do better? That's not really good news, is it? What we'll see here is it's not by works, it's by faith. It's by belief. And so faith is what makes the difference in our lives. Now, for many years, 
I thought that it was by works. I figured if I could just kind of do more good than I did bad and get the scales to kind of go here, if I could just not do really, really bad stuff, then that would work. I just kind of do the other bad stuff everybody else does, right? That's kind of, if everybody does it, it's not really bad. But instead to realize it's not by works, it's by faith that I'm trusting in God that Jesus Christ has been sent on my behalf and that he's my forgiveness and he's my strength. And we're going to see that in Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Look at chapter 4, verse 1 through 8. That's where we're going to spend most of our time. We're going to make it through the whole chapter real quick. Grab your listening guide as well. Here we go. What then should we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? So what did Abraham discover? If Abraham was justified by works, then he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now, to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. Likewise, David, another major player in the Old Testament, also speaks of the blessing of the person whom God credits the righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and those whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person the Lord will never charge with sin. Here's the first point. Even the best are saved by belief or faith. Even the best are saved by belief or by faith. So he takes two people that you don't have to know a lot about the Bible, but Abraham and David are big time Old Testament characters. Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. He's the father of Israel. He is the illustrious patriarch of all of Israel. So he's huge. That's a big deal. David is the most illustrious king. He's the greatest king Israel's ever had. We studied David and Solomon, if you remember last last, uh, spring and fall. And so David and Abraham, it's like, wow and wow. How did these guys have a relationship with God? How did these guys go to heaven? How did these guys walk their life out? They walked it out by faith. Now that's mind blowing to the Jewish readers that are reading this right now. You mean Abraham? It'd be like us saying, well, Mother Teresa and Billy Graham, I mean, they got into heaven on works. I mean, it's the rest of us that need faith. Well, no, Billy Graham, by faith. Mother Teresa, by faith. It doesn't matter because what would you do with that? How do you do the math? How many sins, what's, uh, is one sin equal to five good works or is it five good works or equal to 10 sins or what? How do, what's the ratio? Who figures this out? How do you exchange currency between these two things? And there's no way to get it to balance. And when do I ever have eternal security? When do I ever have eternal? Should I fear every time I go to sleep? Should I fear every doctor's appointment? Should I be afraid of every time I drive in a car or I ride on a plane because I don't know what's going to happen because I'm not sure if I'm a believer in Christ enough to be in heaven with God? Do we just live white knuckled in fear? Or is there a place that we say, I've received Jesus Christ and my faith in him has given me eternal security so I can walk by faith in life and God can do things in me and through me. So Abraham are the best examples of good people to this audience. It'd be like Mother Teresa and and Billy Graham for us. And they are saved by faith, not by works. 
Now, you've been wondering, why do I have a bicycle on stage? Okay, well, now I'm going to tell you. So here's got the mountain bike here and got the child little carrier back here where you can put your kid in and then go riding along, which is great. Now, this isn't mine. Uh, here, this little cart isn't mine, but I used to have one of these when my kids are smaller. My kids won't really fit in this anymore, okay? They've gotten too big. But I remember one day we went riding, we were in Austin and we had some mountain bikes that we had taken there and I had, um, had a car carrier or well, not a car carrier, but a, a bike carrier, I guess, behind here, whatever these things are called. And so I, I had one of my children back there and we went riding on Town Lake, beautiful area. We got to this area, uh, uh, Zilger Park, I think it was called or something like that. And so there we are and all these people have stopped and we're getting a little water. This lady's walking her dog and she comes up to me and she says, I was going to get one of those for my dog, but I don't know if they're safe. <laughs> I said, okay. And, and she said, do you think they're safe? And I said, you know, ma'am, I really do. I think, I mean, it's got a roll bar. I mean, you know, it's attached to the bike. It's not going to cut loose on that. You got these big, nice tires here. It's really safe. We've been riding all day long and we haven't had any problems at all. Yeah, but if I put my dog in there, are you, I mean, do you, it won't turn over? No, ma'am. It, it won't like flip or disconnect? No, because I love my dog. So finally I was like, ma'am, my, my daughter is in here. <laughs> and you're worried about your dog, okay? So I just kind of hashtag keep Austin weird, you know? I mean, it's just how it is, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, this is safe. This is safe. You can put your child in here and it's going to be fine. And here's the illustration that I want you to get is that we with childlike faith have to sit back and rest in the arms of God. We have to trust that our father has the right destination in mind. He's going to take us on the right paths. He's going to get us to where he wants us to be. He is trustworthy as the father. When you place a child back here in childlike faith, they just look and they say, dad's going to take me wherever he's going to take me. I can trust in the father. And so Abraham and David, if you can kind of put this in your mind, in childlike faith, they're resting in God. They're resting in the salvation that he will credit to their account as righteousness. People ask all the time, well, how are Old Testament people saved? By faith. Our New Testament people saved by faith. We're looking back at the cross. They were looking forward to the cross. They're looking to the future. We're looking to the past. And we're both in faith trusting that God can do his work. And if we place our beliefs in him, he can forgive us of our sins. We can rest in him and he can take us where he wants to take us. So I ask you this question. Are you following the Father? Are you trusting your dad? Are you allowing the heavenly Father? Because this bike, this whole deal, he'll take you right on into heaven. He's an eternal Father. And Abraham and David and me and you have to have childlike faith to sit back and say, Lord, we trust you. And we sit and we let you take us to where you want to take us. Now, let's look at the effects of faith. Okay, if that's what we need, we need faith and belief to be able to be saved and to know Christ as our Savior. What are the effects of faith? Look at what it says. We're going to look in verse two and verse uh, three, verse two through five. Here's what it says: If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about because Abraham was amazing. He was awesome. He's got something to boast about, but not before God. 
What does the scripture say? For Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited. It's as a gift. It's something that's owed. So you put in 40 hours, they owe you a paycheck. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith, there's the name of our series, is credited for righteousness. Now, let's just take this just step by step. Verse two, it says, if Abraham, if he's justified by his works, then he could, he'd be amazing, but not before God. Faith, number one, humbles us. It humbles us. It says, no man can boast. We cannot boast. We're not gonna boast before God. We're not gonna boast and say, well, what well, you go by faith, but I go by works because I'm really like, I'm top notch. I'm amazing. I can rock it. I've never been with sin. I've never done anything wrong. I can do this. No, faith brings humility. It says in verse two, there's no boasting. There's no boasting. We don't boast in this. We receive it as a gift of faith. Now, I love verse three. I wanna draw out verse three for you. Verse three has a great opening question. For what does the scripture say? I want you to underline that. I'm gonna take a little tangent on my message for just a second. What does the scripture say? That is the beginning question of everything in our lives. You got a marriage problem. What does the scripture say? You have some challenge in your parenting. What does the scripture say? You're worried that, that maybe the peer pressure as a student or as a, a young single adult is gonna get you because you kind of want their approval more than God's approval. What does the scripture say about following man instead of following God? What does the scripture say about service? What does the scripture say about generosity? What does the scripture say about hard times? I love that phrase that Paul says. I just wanted to ask you, what does the scripture say? And then he jumps in about this being righteousness. See, in the end, Timothy Keller says it this way. In the end, there's two ways to read your Bible. Is it about you or is it about Jesus? Some of us are looking to it and go, well, I just wanna know more about me. You get to know more about God and you say, what does the scripture say about God? You'll figure out about you and you'll understand more about you. So faith humbles us. It humbles us. We say, Lord, I need you. I trust you. Number two, faith receives salvation as a gift, not a wage. Faith receives salvation as a gift, not as a wage. You know, the, the verse of scripture in Ephesians chapter two, great, amazing verse. Here's what it says. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's God's gift, not from works. Here's the verse. So that no one can boast. Humility again. So you've been saved by faith through grace that Jesus Christ gave it to you. You didn't earn it. You just received it as a gift so that no man can boast, so that no woman can boast. It's a gift of God. Now, let me give you this illustration. I've got here $20. I took this $20 out of my wallet. We're gonna symbolize this to be earned wages, okay? I got this at some point out of the ATM that my paycheck went there. And so I got this 20 bucks out of the ATM and in my wallet. So I've got this $20 bill to symbolize wages. I earned this. I worked for this. I put in the time. I put in the effort and I was paid to receive this. This is earned wages. Let me show you another $20 that I have. It's a gold coin, $20. A family member of mine in college gave me this when I was a college student as a gift. 
It's really special. It was a special family member. It was given to me and a couple cousins as well. Each received one. It was just a special moment. I can remember the moment right now. And so this here, given $20, $20. One is wages, one is a gift. And this, when I got it in college, was worth about $300. Now it's worth about $1,500, $1,600. And it's so special, I'd never sell it unless it was worth $50,000. And then I'd sell it, it'd be fine. (laughs) But at $1,500, it's still special, okay? There'll be a point where the specialness will kind of dwindle a little bit. I'll be like, well, okay, hey, hey, right? But right now today... Never going to sell. Got it in my heart. It's a special thing. $20. Now, I could go to the store and I could say, they could say $19.99 and I could hand them $20. Wouldn't be smart, right? But I could do it. The gift that God has given us is not a wage that we've earned with our works. Chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. It is a gift of God that he's given us. And I tell you this, the gift of salvation and what God has given you and me is so precious it can never be sold, never be taken away, never be bartered with. It's a gift of gold. And just like this coin, it's increasing in value as you go on in life. You realize as you grow in Christ, wow, my salvation's better than I thought it was. My relationship with God is better than I ever could imagine. It is a gift of God. That I want to keep in my heart. I love what Matthew Henry said, a great commentator from the 1600s. He said, peace is so important. I'd give anything I have for it except truth. I'd give anything I have for it except truth. The peace that Jesus has brought into our hearts through salvation, don't give anything for it. You let that be the truth of God in your life. Faith is a salvation gift. Next, faith works. Faith works. I'm going to do a little play on words here, okay? Faith then works. Faith works. That's the right order. We have faith. We know James chapter 2 where he says, faith without works is dead. We get it. But faith first, I'm going to believe in Christ, and the believing in Christ is going to change my life. The way that it changes my life, it's going to show itself in working things out. Because now I've placed my faith in Christ, I'm seated in the heavenlies with Him. I have childlike faith with Him. And I'm looking to my heavenly Father saying, you take me anywhere you want to take me. So Jesus can take me to the office. Jesus can take me to the neighborhood. He can take me to the ball field. He can take me to the, to the band. He can take whatever organization you're in, in, involved in, students. He can take you wherever you are. God's going to take you. And you want to go where Jesus goes. And you want everywhere you go, Jesus goes with you too. And so faith then works. Yes, we live things out. We give to these disaster things that we prayed for because we're believers in Christ. doesn't mean that atheists or agnostics don't give as well, but we are commissioned by God to help those in need. You know, through Hurricane Harvey, 80% of the help that came in Houston was from the church or nonprofits, 80%. I've stood literally before city council before and I made this statement. I said, you don't want to go through a hurricane without the church. You don't want to go through a hurricane without the church. And they were like, yes, sir. Amen. We believe it. (laughs) Government's great. We need government. There's no question about it. Be involved in that. But we also need to come along with the people that are commissioned by God that God says, hey, if you know me as savior, you need to walk in some works. And you need to walk in obedience and live this thing out. So faith works. Faith 
works. That's what's happening in verses 9 through 12. I'm going to just kind of highlight it for you, 9 through about 20. But let me tell you what this means. 9 through 12, Abraham is being talked about, and they're talking about circumcision. Now, I know that's an unusual word. I mean, when's the last time you used circumcision in a sentence, right? I mean, it just doesn't really roll off your tongue, okay? But in the Bible, it's a big deal in the Old Testament because it was symbolic of belonging to the Jewish people. It said, this is what team I'm on. It was an outward expression of the inward heart that you had. You were with this team. Symbolically, kind of the same thing for us is baptism, okay? That's what we say as New Testament people, we're aligning with the church, we're aligning with the people of God. This is where I belong. I'm in this camp, I'm in this group. This is an outward expression of an inward change, we say with baptism. So. They're talking about circumcision with Abraham in this chapter in verses 9 through 12. And in talking about that, they say, when did Abraham have faith? Was it after circumcision or was it before circumcision? Here's the news, the good news, the gospel news. Abraham believed 13 years before circumcision was given by the Lord. So it shows faith, then works, okay? You look into Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And you're gonna see by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. You're gonna see a lot of Old Testament people before you even get to the law of Moses. So before the law, it was still by faith, okay? So faith is first, and then yes, of course, works. And if we have faith without works, it's called hypocrisy, right? That's what it is. And James talks about that as well in chapter two. Don't have faith without works. We need those together, but our faith leads our work. Second thing that happens in verses 13 through 20 of this chapter is we get this, faith works. Your faith actually works, okay? Your faith, if you trust in God, it's gonna work for you in life. It's gonna work for me in life. And it's the story of Abraham and Sarah being an old couple, and still they're gonna have Isaac that's gonna be the promised one of Israel, okay? So their faith works. We'll see it in just a second. Verse 21, faith works. You never get too old for faith. You never get too used to faith. If you're a believer in Christ and you're going to ride behind the Lord and let God take you, your heavenly father direct your life, you're going to continually walk in faith. It's never going to end for you. It's always going to be a moment of faith. You're never going to get to this place where you're like, oh, I'm done with faith. Faith is always a part of the Christian walk. I'll give you an example just last night. On your behalf, I was able to go and was invited to do the chapel for the Texans last night for the football team, Houston Texans. I was able to do their chapel and it was great. And so I headed to the stadium and I'm driving to the stadium and I'm kind of having a little bit of a crisis of faith. I'm praying along the way and I'm like, Lord, I feel like this talk that I've got, this devotional that I've got ready, you know, I feel like it's water and I need it to be wine. I need it to be better than it is. Um, You know, I really, football illustrations aren't going to work for me. It's not going to be like, hey guys, man, when I was on the eighth grade team, I remember remember that bench. Um, and man, you talk about comfortable. And then one time I got up and I got to, it was 60 to zero and I got to go in at that point. You know, that's not going to work. Or, you know, we were playing football one day and my neighbor's driveway was the touchdown and the other driveway was a touchdown. And man, I made this catch and it was awesome. I got nothing. I mean, they sit down and they're taller than me sitting down. I mean, it's just, <laughs> what do you do? But I'm like, 
Lord, I'm just going to trust you that your word is strong. I'm going to trust you. I've been praying. I had my prayer partner praying for me too and other folks. Lord, I'm just, I need these prayers. I'm a little bit, I'm really a little bit nervous now. It's a much smaller group than I'm speaking to right now. I'm used to speaking to people, but, but it's just a different, it's just kind of off center of what I usually am a part of. So I'm a little bit like, how am I going to get in there and have some favor and connection with these professional athletes, you know, at five, seven and a buck 50. I mean, how's this gonna work, you know? And so I was like, Lord, I just trust you. I just trust you, God. You're gonna do your work and you're gonna move and I'm just gonna step in in faith. And it went great. It was awesome. We had a great time. They were neat guys. We had worship. And then I gave the devotional and it was, it was wonderful. And then they lined up and they all start coming down the road to me uh, to say thank you. And so it's a line of all of them thanking you. And so I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then a lot of them would give me hugs. So I just kind of nuzzle in their chest. Like, this is awkward, you know, but oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's just but I'm like, I, what do you do, right? You know, I'm not going to tell them no, you know. So, so they, all, they all walk out. And then I went, and then just this doesn't have a real spiritual point, but then I went to eat with them afterwards. I had steak, shrimp, lobster macaroni. This was awesome. I called Kelly and said, I ain't ever coming home. This is great. <laughs> you know, she's like, well, I'm never cooking again. So that's great too. Eat all you want. There's nothing home but cereal. So I was just, you know, ready to go. But we had a great time, but I had to step in. I've spoken many, many times. I knew the passage. I was familiar with the passage I was going to teach them. I was familiar with, with the points I was going to make. I'd, I'd shared many of these things before, but yet it was still faith, wasn't it? And faith works. Students, walk by faith. It works. Young singles, walk by faith. It really works. Senior adults, meeting age adults, everybody in between, kids, Walk by faith, it works. Now, you may end up at some destinations that are a little bit different than what you thought, but I tell you what, they'll be better. They'll be a gold coin instead of just paper money. Walk by faith, it truly works. Now, here's the great thing of this as we bring this together. It's a simple faith, and it's a faith that we can be saved by faith too. We can be saved by faith too. Abraham... David, me, you. Faith, that's what it's about. That's the leap. That's the jump. That's the movement from one place to another. It's by faith to get into the cart, to let the heavenly father guide our path, to trust that the gold coin is a gift from God. It will increase in value. It is a simple faith. Think about Abraham. No doubt he was intelligent, but how deep could his knowledge of the mysteries of God have been at the time when all this was happening? I mean, he didn't have a Bible like you and I have. He didn't have all these stories of the cross like we've heard, all these miracles. But he trusted in simple faith and faith is our salvation and our walk of life too. So I just ask you, are you walking by faith? Are you living by faith? Are you trying to be the one here and put God here Lord, follow me. I got a great plan. Or are you reserved to know that his plan is best and by faith, you just rest in the seat and trust your father? Abraham did it. David did it. You and I have to do it to trust in him. Just a moment, we're gonna take the Lord's Supper. It's a great thing to end 
this message with of faith in the body and the blood of Jesus. But I want to end with this last quote, thinking about just the faith to rest back here and to let God do his work. This last quote, I don't know who said it. I heard it in a message I listened to just this week from Chuck Swindoll. It was a great message. And, and, and he quoted this at the end of the message. And it was an anonymous person, he said. And here's what he said. Here's the quote. I'm willing to receive what you give. I'm willing to lack what you withhold. I'm willing to relinquish what you take. And I'm willing to suffer what you inflict. I am willing to be what you require. Isn't that a great faith statement? I want to read it again. I want you to really get it. It really spoke to my heart. I am willing to receive what you give. Thank you, Lord, for those gold coins. I'm willing to lack what you withhold. There's things in your life and in my life I wish God would have given me that he didn't. I'm willing to lack what you, what you withhold. I'm willing to relinquish what you take. Lord, it all belongs to you. And I'm willing to suffer what you inflict. Life can be hard. And then lastly, I'm willing to be what you require. And so by faith, we trust in our heavenly father and we walk with God. And with that kind of heart, we step into the body and the blood of Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper. That God does his work. And with all humility and all trust, we trust and place our faith in him. Just a moment, I'll pray. Then we'll take the Lord's Supper. So if you don't have the elements, you can jump up and go get them from a table right now. This is just for believers in Christ. Those that have trusted Jesus as their savior. That's who this is for. If you're not a believer in Christ, then you just let this be symbolic. Let this be a picture of what it means to trust Jesus by faith. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We trust you. We ask you, God, that you would do your work in our hearts, Lord. Thank you. Give us greater faith. If you're here or any of our campuses or online and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I just lead you in a prayer of faith? You just would repeat after me. Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. I place my faith in you alone for salvation. Forgive my sins. Wash me clean. By your grace, I'm forgiven. Save my soul and assure me of heaven when I die. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ through that prayer, a whisper of your own prayer of faith. Jesus now lives inside you. He's the Father that can lead you. You're safe in His arms. If you're already a believer in Jesus, would you just ask the Lord to increase your faith? Maybe there's a certain place or subject you just need your faith increased in that area. Just ask Him, just increase my faith, Lord.
Father, we come to the Lord's Supper table by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.